Welcome to Views from the Porch, a podcast where we explore what it looks like to survive and thrive in your young adult years. Each week, we talk about the biggest challenges facing young adults today and how to overcome them from God's Word based on our weekly experience in leading thousands of young adults at the porch. For more info on The Porch, visit theporch.live. Thank you for joining. What's up, guys? This is David. We are back with another episode of Views from the Porch. I'm joined with the one and only J.D. Rogers. What up? And Mrs. Elena Haas. Hey, guys. Digitally waiting on that baby. (laughs) So close. We are so close. Hey, have you decorated the nursery? Yeah, I'm working on it. She is streaming or what's it FaceTiming in from home or recording in from home. Anyways. All right. Hey, (laughs) we're, we are quarantined podcasting again. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about the idea of are all sins equal? Mm. Are all sins equal? It's such a good question. Yeah. And I know that the Bible has a lot to say about it. Well, not a lot, but it definitely has things to say about it. Then David, I know that you have a lot to teach us about it. And so Elena, how about you just, what are people asking with this idea? What, what's going on in people's minds and the idea of all sins being equal? Yeah, Elena. <laughs> hey, Judy, thanks. Thanks for the captain call out. Um, yeah, uh-huh. I think so. When people are asking, are all sins equal? I think a lot of times it's because, um, you know, they're trying to figure out, hey, do I have more freedom to do these like smaller sins that aren't that big of a deal Mm -hmm. since it's not like murder or anything like that? We can all agree is really bad. But like me, you know, crossing boundaries in my relationship and with purity and like hooking up, like that's not like murder, you know, like maybe the Bible says all sins are equal, but really are they equal? Because is murder really as bad as that? Things like that. And I think it's more so just to validate or maybe make, um, make themselves feel a little bit better about the things that they're doing and like, don't want to stop doing. Sometimes that is the case of why you're asking. It's a valid question. And I think it's a great question. I can't wait to dive into the, what the Bible has to say about it. Yes. Yeah. And Last thing, I think you can even take this and you can almost do this with every sin that you might face. So for example, well, hey, we're not having sex. Yeah. You know, like it's not that we're just, bad. Yeah, we're crossing this one, but at least we're not having sex or, um, you know, watching Netflix, you know, m- movies that are filled with filth and all that. Well, it's like, yeah, I'm watching this, but it's not porn. And, you know, there's just every route you could take of, but I'm, it's not, Totally. You know, yeah. so you're kind of justifying. So what do you have to say, David? Well, we kind of justify. Yeah, you're totally right in the ways that we use this question oftentimes as a justification for different things. So are all sins equal? I would say yes and no. And it really depends on what you mean by that. So here's what I mean. So James chapter two, verse 10 says, whoever keeps the whole law yet stumbles with one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So biblically, um, here's what I mean. Yes and no. Are all sins equally offensive to God? And punishable by the wages of sin, Romans chapter 3, 623 says, is death. Or the, um, in other words, the repayment for sin, the punishment, the consequence of all of them is the same. No matter if you're, you know, you looked at pornography, you slept with your girlfriend, you lied or you cheated on the test, whatever it is. Are they all equal in terms of the uh, ramifications 
in terms of like your actual life. No, I mean, it goes, it would, it would be crazy to say, Hey, everyone who speeds has the same ramification as somebody who does a hit and run. Like there's, you know, legit consequences just under the law of the state of Texas, but are there all, um, equally punishable in terms of they are all offensive to God? Yes. Jesus said that there were degrees of sin if you will. So it's, that's why I say it's like a yes and no answer. So if you're guilty of one, James says you, you, it's like you broke the entire thing. Does that make sense? Like in terms of it's, uh, you are undeserving of heaven. Heaven's requirement is perfection. So you break one, you might as well have broke them all. Okay. Are they all equally? Um, there are also degrees of punishment and there are degrees eternally. Like Jesus seems to indicate in Matthew chapter 12, that there are, going to be degrees based on the amount of knowledge that you know, uh, to which if you knew it and you did it intentionally, then that is different from the person who accidentally, without even knowing it was a, a sin against God, but they're all, does that make sense? Wait, okay. uh, wait, let me, me ask, let me, use, let me ask a yeah, clarifying yeah, yeah. question on that because you just said there'll be degrees of punishment, but I think it could be confusing. Cause it's like, wait, didn't Jesus pay for all my sin? It's already paid for it. I'm not going to have to pay for it. Yes. Yes. So that is a great question. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, then uh, if you have a relationship with Christ, then there will not be punishment for sin. It was all paid for by Jesus. So salvation is always by grace alone. The rewards that you will get in heaven will be uh, determined for all of us by the faithfulness we have in this life. If you don't have a relationship with God or you don't have a relationship with God through Christ, then the experience of eternal hell apart from him, which I think we're going to cover in a couple weeks at uh, one of these fact checks, that experience, there will be degrees. It seems like Jesus lays out in terms of what you're going to experience in hell. Example, when Jesus is talking to Pilate in John 19, do you guys remember this? You heard of Pilate? Yeah. I have. What do you know about Pilate? Pilate was a Mamby Pamby who um, didn't have his own <laughs> what's opinion. What's a Mamby Pamby? Mamby Yeah, he didn't have his own opinion. He's wow, like a, he's a ruler, Bambi. right? Like it's yeah. like he's like the governor yeah. of, the, of the of the place, and mm. and it's like he had he had the opportunity to make some moves and stand his own convictions, but he mm. was just a passive man. That yes, nobody names their kid Pontius today. They, it's they it's they not around. Elena, are you thinking about Pontius? <laughs> Pontius is Ooh. not on my list. Oh man, but it's got a good ring to it. Okay, so Pilate standing there at Jesus is basically talking to him and Jesus says, hey, it is a greater sin or there will be greater condemnation for the one who handed me over than you who do not, who do what you, you know, you don't know exactly what you're doing. And the one who handed me over, he's talking about Judas, has committed the greater sin. So Jesus indicated there were degrees of sin. Here's what muddies the water even further. He also indicates that um, the idea of adultery and lust are equal in some ways, in terms of the, they're both sins punishable by, uh, if you don't have a relationship with God, they both require eternal death to be a part of them. Now, no one would say, this is why I say it's a yes and no answer, but I think all of us would agree that someone committing adultery, um, as in like actually going through the act of having sex with someone who's not their spouse, likely in most marriages is going to have a more emotional toll and be more baggage to repair and more damaging to the marriage than someone who lusted after a coworker one day. Does that make sense? So there's degrees in terms of like actually how they play out inside of this life. They're not degrees in terms of the punishment required or the payment required for every sin is death, but there are degrees on the impact and the effect here in the old Testament. 
There were actually even degrees that the uh, law, the Old Testament law, which is like, you know, what God gave the nation of Israel. Here's a bunch of commands. Here's how you should live your life. There were actually degrees to which somebody would have to be accountable or there would be punishment uh, based on how intentionally someone did it. If you've ever read like the book of Numbers, or you've ever read the Old Testament and they talk about unintentional sins versus intentional sins. Elena, have you read the Bible before? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in there, Numbers 15 27 through 31 talks about how the punishment is lesser for someone who sins unintentionally than for someone who sins just defiantly. Hey, I know it's wrong and I'm doing it anyways. So as we talk about, are all sins equal? It is really a yes and no answer. But Jesus said there were degrees in terms of punishment eternally in hell that would be a part of the experience for the person based on the degree of knowledge that they had about it, okay, based I on the severity a, of the act. Yeah, I have a question then. Okay. I thought Romans said that God has given us all a conscience, yep. whether we knew, whether we know him or not, or without yep. excuse, because we all have a conscience. Yeah. So how does that person... What does that mean then? Like, does, don't we all know when something's wrong? And yeah. so we deliberately still do it? Uh, not always. I wouldn't say. Really? I, I, at least when you talk about the Old Testament nation of Israel, I wouldn't. Like, in other words, the conscience wouldn't have intuitively led somebody to know, I shouldn't work on Sunday because which God commanded, hey, take a Sabbath, take every Sunday okay. off. You wouldn't intuitively know that. But once he, he tells you that and you're like, hey, I know that he told me to do that, but I'm doing it anyways. That's the distinction that the book of Numbers, and I'm just kind of like throwing as much into the conversation so that people know yeah, yeah. when people throw out, hey, you know, not every sin is equal or every sin is equal. The reason both of those can be true is because there are degrees of sin that just like, you know, all of us going through life would, would acknowledge, hey, some sins are more significant. Me being anger, me being upset with you and me murdering you has... Different. has different consequences. Yeah, for sure. Like in this life is in one is like, I'm mad at you. The other is you don't exist anymore. Yeah. Okay. You know, here's another piece of scripture that I think makes it confusing or maybe adds to that um, confusion is when in Matthew five, how it goes from things like murder, adultery, divorce. It's like, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. So like yep. murder and anger, he's basically doing a compare and contrast. Murder and anger is basically the same and committing adultery or just looking with lust is the same and, uh, you know, et cetera. So how does that play into it? I think people can take that and be like, oh, so that means they're equal because I'm not just because I'm not committing the ultimate form of anger, which is murder still in my heart. It's murder. I mean, do you go to your, do you go to your wife after you've looked at a woman for a little bit too long and are like, Oh my gosh, I committed adultery. <laughs> like, I mean, it's sure. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's, no one's going to say that's a bad thing, <laughs> but here's what, here's what I think Jesus is doing. That is the exact same thing we're talking about is he was talking to an audience that would justify, well, we didn't go this far right. or I didn't go this far that we're always looking to justify our actions and our sins and yeah. think of it like, well, I'm not as bad as X person. And Jesus is going, the bar is way higher than you think. You think just cause you've never had an affair that you're not committing adultery. I tell you, if you harbor lust and you're checking out that girl or that guy and you're lusting after them with your mind, you're committing the same sin and, and just as guilty. And that sin is just as punishable of eternal death, which I think that's the most shocking thing in this whole conversation that we could do and even other podcasts on, on, Hey, why, why would the wages of sin be death? But 
the, the Bible says any sin puts you guilty and unworthy and undeserving of a relationship with a perfect and holy God. So that's what he's just basically up in the ante saying, hey, if you're, you're angry in your heart, you're, that's a part of the same sin that leads to murder. Some people just have a better filter and ability to kind of keep it in and contain it. But he's doing or he's trying to point out what people still today when they ask this question are often doing, which is like, well, hey, it's not as bad as if I did X. And that's the point I think Jesus is making there. What I was trying to say is, I don't think Jesus is saying in terms of the human experience, you being angry at someone has the same consequence as you murdering your parent. Right. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if I'm angry at my dad versus if I murder them, th- I mean, I think everyone would go, yeah, th- those are different. So when somebody says, hey, all sins are equal, um, I- I'm just saying functionally, they don't play out that way. They're all equally deserving of the same punishment and they all make you undeserving of a relationship with God which is why Jesus came to pay for all of them. And his payment applies to all of them equally. Yeah. But there are degrees. Yeah. I do want to say one other thing on Matthew five, because when I was a brand new believer and I read that it honestly stressed me out so bad. Cause I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. like, Oh my gosh, I'm basically set up for failure. What am I going to do? Because I didn't understand why in the context of how he's saying it, his purpose behind him saying it. Now I do understand. But David, do you want to explain? Because I think that can stress a lot of people out and be like, you know what? It doesn't matter what I do. I'm never going to be good enough. So I might as well just keep doing what I'm doing. And that was what I was scared of when I first became a believer of like, I'm never going to be able to live up to this. Wasn't there, be perfect. Is that Matthew 5? Be perfect as your... It is. As I am perfect, as your your father is perfect. Yep. Yeah, that's... First time I read that, I was like, well... Um, Game over. <laughs> yeah, but David, there explain why that's actually a good thing. Like, got explain why, like, yeah. in the context of what yeah, he's trying sure. to yeah. say. Especially yeah. for the perfectionists out there, they're going, <gasps> Elena. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but think about it. Like, when you add that verse and you also add that, hey, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Those are both in the same sermon right. that Jesus is giving, along with, hey, uh, lust is the same as adultery, murder is the same as anger in your heart. All of those are equal. Jesus's point is the bar is way higher than you think. You guys think that you deserve to have a relationship with God because you you fill in the blank of, oh, but I've never done X. And he's like, the bar and standard is way higher, which is actually a good thing because eventually you go, like if I said, hey, Elena, I want you to swim from here to, you know, across the pool, what would you say? Easy, done. Okay. If I said, I want you to swim from here to South Africa, what would you say? There's no way I can do that. I will die. There's no way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> or you can get on this boat. Yeah. And it will take you across. So you can either decide, hey, are you going to try it on your own or are you going to get on the boat? That's essentially what in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going, hey, the bar is way higher. Right. So I'm not asking you to swim across the pond. You guys think, oh, I, I can swim across the pond. You know, I'm, I'm a better swimmer than the next person. No, I'm asking you to swim to Africa. So you can either get on the boat that is called Jesus and a savior for your sin, or you can try it on your own, but you'll never get there. You will always fail. You cannot meet the standard on your own. Right. And that's what the Sermon on the Mount leads us to. That's why he says, you must be perfect. And unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, who were, by the way, full-time good, goody two-shoes or full-time like, hey, here's my job on their on their business card. It says, I keep the law better yeah, than you. Lamos. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what they would do. They would, they would, it's just crazy if you just Google, hey, what did it look like to live as a Pharisee? And Jesus says, hey, unless you're better than those guys, like the professionals, 
you're not getting in. So everyone went, if they don't get in. Yeah, he's talking to fishermen. <laughs> yeah. We're not getting in. Nobody is. So that's the point. That Jesus, he's just raising the bar and saying, hey, the standard to have a relationship and have eternal life to be in the kingdom of heaven is perfection. You can't get there on your own. It's meant to lead you to a place where you go, man, I need a savior. Yeah. And that leads you to the place where you're ready to accept Jesus in that moment. Yeah. So I used to read that as bad news and be like, oh my gosh, like, what am I going to do? There's no way I can, I can do yeah. this. And now I read that as good news because I'm like, yes, that's such a great reminder. There's nothing I can do. And it's everything that Jesus did for me. And that's how I'm going to get into heaven is only because of him, not because of me. So instead of reading that as something discouraging now, when I read it, I'm like, wow, that's actually awesome. So I just want other people in case they read that and get discouraged to know the context of it. Totally. No, no, no. You're totally spot on. So as it relates to, Hey, are all sins equal? No, there are degrees of sins, but are all in, uh, in terms of functionally how they play out, or I guess a better answer would be, are all sins equal? The next one, Elena, what's it called? The tactic where you're like, Hey, what do you mean by that? Oh, the Columbo, Columbo tactic. tactic. Yeah. Is that the Columbo tactic? Yeah. yeah. What do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? Yeah. Have yeah. you ever considered? There you go. So a better question would be, hey, well, it, it depends on what you mean by that. And in terms of all of them being equally punishable by eternity apart from God or equally meaning that you need a savior or a payment, you need Jesus. Yes. All of them are equal that way. Are the degrees to which people will be punished? Jesus seems to indicate that in Matthew chapter 12, in John 19 and Luke 13, that the experience in hell for certain people will be harsher than the experience for others. As though like, hey, Hitler, if you didn't have a relationship with Jesus, which it didn't seem like he did. I hope he did. But like at the end of his life, I hope somebody shared the gospel with him. But it's basically, I don't think, I, who knows? But let's yeah. say he didn't. The experience for him would be much harsher it seems when you read the New Testament than someone who um, who didn't live a life like that would be the simplest way. For so sure. there are degrees to which Jesus seems to indicate, but all of them make you unworthy of entering eternal life. All of them is in like, nobody's going to be worthy to, to experience, to cross the South African ocean or to cross the ocean to get to South Africa. All of them require a savior if you're going to get there. So I think maybe the next question people would have um, would be, so... God will forgive me, right? And he's already said, like, I'll be good. All I need to do is accept him, ask for forgiveness. So what if I just, um, you know, kept on living in the way I'm living and doing whatever I really want to do? And yeah, it's technically sin, mm -hmm. but it's not that big of a deal. They're just like these small little sins that really don't have that much consequences to them. And so what if I just like in my 20s, um, live it up, you know, maybe 30s, once I get married and have kids, I'll settle down. And then I'll just ask God for forgiveness, I'll accept him into my life. And just making sure before I die, I do that, then I'm good to go. And then I get the best of both worlds. What would you say to that? Yeah. Well, you kind of you're laying out a couple of different things. The, the, the Christian who says, Hey, Jesus died to pay for sins like these. That's a concerning posture to have. If like yeah. somebody claims to be a believer and they're like, Hey, look, we can sleep around. I mean, that's why Jesus came and he died. That reflects a posture that's either really, really immature in their faith and really um, like you need to go read your Bible and understand what it actually teaches. Because every time you mess around with sin, it's like you're messing around with something so offensive that Jesus gave his life because it was going to mess you up. It's like poison and, um, and you're still drinking with it and Jesus died so that you wouldn't have that poison marking your life. In Romans chapter six, it says, what then should we continue to sin so that grace may abound by no means? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who've been baptized 
into Christ, we're baptized into his death. We were buried with him in order that just as Christ was raised, so we too might walk into his life. So Paul basically says, hey, the person who says, well, we should just keep on sinning then because Jesus already gave us a blank check. That reflects a posture of somebody who may not, who at least should be concerned, or that's not typically the posture mm-hmm. of someone who has trusted in Christ. The Spirit of God is at work inside of them. Not that they're still not tempted to sin, and they still don't you know, even have part of them that wants to, but that says, I'm going to do what I want to do because I can do it, and Jesus already paid for it, and I don't care, and I'll have sex in a windmill all I want, and Jesus still loves me. Uh, That's back with typically the sex in the windmill. That windmill line, dude. That typically just at least reflects somebody who should be concerned over, man, do you really believe, like, do you really have a faith in Christ? Is that really something that marks your life? What you said later, Elena, was was more, uh, or not later, what you described was somebody who was like, oh man, I kind of grew up around church. I kind of, you know, I'm not opposed to God, but I really, I'm, once I get married, I'll settle down. I'll get serious about it. And then, you know, I want to raise my kids in the church. And uh, I'm just like, uh, I don't want to, you know, do all of I kind of want to get it out of my system right now before I settle down and really get serious about God, you know, someday when I'm old and boring. That's a totally different scenario. And to that person, uh, there's a totally different answer where you're like, man, you are not promised tomorrow. It's appointed once for man to die. The narrative that you have in your head of I'll just party it away, do whatever I want, and then maybe someday I'll look into figuring out what I believe about Jesus you have no idea how many more days that you have. There's that line Todd always gives. I think it's our senior pastor, Todd, who always is like, he's promised grace for you tomorrow, but he hasn't promised you tomorrow. And, um, and so, yes, you will have the grace of Jesus waiting for you there, but the promise of you making it to tomorrow is not necessarily guaranteed. And the best way, according to Ecclesiastes 12, for you to spend and me to spend my 20s is to run after your creator in your youth to remember. That's what it says. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse one says, remember your creator in your youth before the days that God is a young man's God, go run all in, go all in after it in this season. You will not regret it. You'll leave with less scars and you'll leave with experiencing more of the life, the type of future marriage, the person that you want to be everything in your, you know, in front of you will be better than it would have been. If you make, if you don't make the mistake of giving your twenties, to just like, man, the weekend, to being a weekend warrior and to living it up for yourself. So, I mean, what else would y'all add? I think I was reminded when you're talking about the person who doesn't understand actual repentance and forgiveness, uh, that Charles Spurgeon, he's like a, just a really, we quote him a lot around here. He's a really well-known, was he a pastor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just such an amazing, oh my gosh, like quotes for days. He says, if Christ has died for me, I cannot trifle with the evil that killed my best friend. No, dude. And that's like, if Christ has died for me, I cannot trifle with the evil that killed my best friend. And so it's just like, man, if you're claiming to love Christ and to follow Christ, why would you want to even ask these questions when these are the very things that he didn't just die for the big ones. He died for all sins. Totally. And so just like Christ suffered once for all sins, equal, like we have to think of like, we can't think of them as little or big. It's like, man, these are all worth 
you know, Christ's sacrifice. Therefore, I need to treat them as such. Yeah, and harmful. I mean, yeah. God's not just like some killjoy. It's like, dude, hey, that will, I love you. I'm for your best good. Yeah. And that's going to hurt you. And so because I love you, I'm going to tell you and make sure you know that's going to hurt you. That's going to mess up. It doesn't, it seems like it'll help your relationship by just fooling around or crossing every boundary except going all the way. And it will hurt your relationship both now and in the future. And he's yeah. invited you to trust him. So one other, anyways. Thought, I, one other thought I had when you're talking about the perfection thing is you could, I think a lot of people could read that and that's where they get kind of this idea of that God's a bunch of roles and the Bible is a rule book. Mm. And it's like, no, actually that's, that's an amazing thing because what that does is like, it can, if I didn't have that call in my life, um, I could easily believe like, yeah, I can indulge in pornography for years and years. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not, I'm just doing my own thing. And Christ is going, no, no, no. I promise you that even that, although you see it as different levels of bad in your mind, I promise it's hurting you. Yep. And that's why he's like, you can't see it this way. Um, you got to be like, like what you're talking about earlier, being perfect and being like the Pharisees and all of that. He doesn't make it or like even the lust in your heart is as big as adultery. He's like, Hey, pornography hurts you just as much as having one night stands with a bunch of people or, you know, lying hurts you. Gossip totally. hurts you. And I'm just glad for that call. I think any good father, you know, I know David, you would do that. You know, your kids, even no matter how big or small, you're gonna if it hurts them, it hurts them. Totally. And you're gonna let you're gonna let them know. So. Totally. It's like um, I've got a four year old son, and you know what's weird, Elena? You're about to experience this because you're gonna have a baby. Little Pontius is gonna be here soon, <laughs> and you're gonna experience this where I have to, like, when you think about kids, I forget that the amount of what they have seen. Like what has come before their eyes, the things they've heard, it's all new. Okay, so uh, let's say I'm watching a movie that for me, I'm like, that's totally okay. But when my son sees it, he's like, they're screaming, they're yelling, there's blood, there's, you know, uh, something that, you know, is so somewhat violent. As a dad, I've been like, I'm constantly reminded of, oh man, I don't want to give this kid nightmares. He's never seen anything like this. Like this is forming and informing So I have this protective nature over what goes into his head, what goes into his heart, what he's seeing, what he's thinking about, what he's being fed in the world around him. That's what God has for us. When you read the scriptures, it's not because he's some killjoy. He's like, I want to protect protect you from experiencing harm in this life. So this things that I've called you to and instructions and truths and, and the stuff that you read as it relates to how to handle relationships or sex or alcohol or time or, are because I want to protect you. I love you and I care about you. I'm not trying to rip my son off of not letting him see the scenes in Gladiator. No, I'm saying I don't want you to be exposed to that because I love you and I want to protect you from that. So that's what I think the scriptures are calling us to as it relates to our sins all equal Yes and no. All equal in terms of requiring Jesus's payment on the cross, not all equal in terms of the degrees and the consequences in this life and the degrees eternally in terms of punishment for people who haven't had the payment for sin. So that's all I got, unless you guys got anything else. That's good stuff, David. Thank you. I love it. All right. We will see you next week on another episode of Views from the Porch. We want to thank you for listening to Views from the Porch. For more information about The Porch Ministry, visit us at theporch.live or follow us on social media at The Porch. <laughs>